for me just to make sure you're awake or with this many people in here, I'm positive you're awake and probably uncomfortable, which is perfect for me because I'm uncomfortable. So, uh, we're going to do that one more time. Once again, we're going to let you hear you ready to receive the message. Good morning, church on the rock! Yeah. 
ball or push the beach ball under the water, you are suppressing truth when you try to push it under water. So part of the therefore is because man has suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. The second one that we saw last week, well, go back, was though they knew God, so though God made himself evident through creation, if you wake up, if you're breathing, do you think your alarm clock woke you up this morning? No. God woke you up there this morning. You, you know, you look at the trees, you look at the birds, all of that is God speaking to you saying, I exist. If you like to go camping, like you crazy people like to go camping, you know that God exists just by looking at nature itself. Right? So he's made himself known, and yet people do not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So they look at these things and they come up with their own conclusions of what is God. They say, yeah, I see trees, I see, I feel gravity, I, I feel air, I see, as you said, I don't get outside a lot, so I'm just trying to make a face. But, but, but they don't give that credit or that gratitude or that thanks to God for those things. They come up with theories like the Big Bang Theory, they come up with, uh, Surely was a ghost or anything else but God. So that's a part of the narrative as well. And then lastly, because man has exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God, meaning he doesn't change, he doesn't fail, he doesn't falter. They exchange the glory that belongs to God and for, for the image of corruptible man and birds forth with the animals and crawling creatures. That's what the therefore in verse 24 is there for. So, going to my next slide. It says they, so the people who do these things, which is honestly everybody in this room at some point in their lives, for they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And that's going to be the key to this section of scripture. A lot of people run to this scripture just to talk about homosexuality. But the real issue that Paul is looking at in this text, in fact, in this whole portion of verses 18 to 32, is right here. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. So everybody like highlight that, everybody like slide everybody highlight that, and they realize this. Any false truth, any false truth that is put in the place of God's truth is idolatry. Okay? Any false truth that you put in place of God's truth, so God says something in his word, and you exchange what God says, and you put your own definition, understanding, reasoning, or whatever right there, that is idolatry, okay? So some people think idolatry is just a wooden image, or like, like this table could be a wooden image that we worship the table of Church on the Rock, right? Like that, they think that's what idolatry is, and that's the only way. There was, you know, wooden images and all those things. But any false truth that you replace God's truth with is idolatry. Think about that, because there's a lot of false truths that you're living right now that you've replaced God's truth with, and you found your idol. You have found your idol. Going to the next slide. Look at this. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So they took something that God has said is true, <coughs> and they exchanged it for something that they have said is true. This is what this text is about. We're gonna, it, it, it opens up and it, it shows itself in homosexuality, but that's not the only focus of this entire text. The focus is that people, humanity, has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I need you to like ground that in yourself because this is what will help you as a, as a believer, as a non-believer, whatever. This is what will help you look at the homosexual and have grace as you look at yourself. Because you'll find that you're doing the same thing that they're doing. Next slide. And 
so truth is based on what God said, not on what we see. That's my first point. Truth is based on what God has said, not what we see. We want to open this up in Genesis real quick. We want to jump to Genesis. So remember, um, we're in the Garden of Eden, right? There's Adam, there's Eve, there's the serpent. The serpent comes to Eve and says, hey, are you sure God said that, you know, what did he say about uh, eating from that one tree that he said you couldn't eat from, right? And Eve says, uh, the woman, Eve said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. Keep going. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, look at this, God has said. So he thinks you're about to say after this, this is truth. Why? Because God said it. All right? Let's like, get that through our minds first. If God said it, that seals it. God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The servant starts speaking. She starts listening. She starts being influenced by it. And this is what we get. When the woman saw. You see that? So God said then it says, the woman saw. Look what the woman saw. She saw that the tree was good for food. Hold on. God said, if you eat the fruit, you will die. But after speaking with the enemy, after looking for herself from her own, her own perspective, now the tree looks good for food. Now the tree is a delight to the eyes. Now the tree is desirable to make one wise. Do, do you see that transition? God said she saw. Truth is based on what God said, not what we see. One of the issues in today's world is that you are adjusting what the word of God says to be true for what you see. We, now we can start jumping into things like homosexuality. A lot of Christians actually condone and approve of homosexuality because of what they see. I see love, Rashad. I see two people who just want the same rights. I get all that, but God said. Now, you may feel uncomfortable because you have loved ones who are homosexual. So do I. All right? And this is the funny thing. If I, maybe my wife's not here, she probably didn't want to, she didn't want to be here for me. Anyway, so I'll call her out right now. I'll be like, Brittany, you know, um, my wife's not here. But if I saw another female that looked appealing to the eyes, but God said I cannot be with another woman other than my wife, it's the exact same thing. I exchange God's truth for a lie when I commit adultery. Why? Because God said I can only be with my wife. Why is it everybody understands that? But the moment I say homosexuality is wrong because God said it, people go, no, 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 because I see that that's not how it works. Either his truth is always his truth, and always for the base of what truth is, or it's not. And the moment you start adjusting and exchanging one here and one there, then I can exchange whatever I want. I have a, a friend named Desmond who gave me permission to speak about him. He's a, he's a homosexual man. He knows my wife, he knows me. We were at Blaze Pizza. Anybody know that? Blaze Pizza, but she won't Blaze Pizza. And so we were sitting down at Blaze Pizza. He knows I'm a pastor. 
he knows my wife, Brittany, he loves my wife, Brittany, and I've been working with him through the, the, his struggles with homosexuality. A girl walks in, and I said, man, I should go get her number. He said, <laughs> and I said, why are you looking at me like that, bro? And he's like, uh, first of all, pastor, right? You are a married man, and I know your wife. I said, that's okay, but I desire her, right? He said, well, you're going to fight your desires. <laughs> I said, that's what I'm going to tell you for the last six months. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. It's no different when truth is truth. It's across the board, no matter what you see, because God said it. So regardless of what, what she saw, she could saw it was good for food, the length of the eyes, desire to make one wise, all that don't matter. God said it's that. That's not going to change because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? Amen. Thank you, Mama. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody be kidding here with me. All right, so look. So look at this. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. So truth is creator-based, so it's based on his instruction, not culture-based. Based on our influence. I'm influenced. That's not right. It's influence. I've been working on that word. All right, all right. <laughs> it says, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, here we go again, God has said, you shall not eat or touch it or you will die. Right? So God said this. That's the creator. That's creator based truth. That's his instruction. He instructed, do not eat. That was his instruction. Do not eat. Now watch this. Watch this. But when the woman saw that it was good for food, saw that it was the light of the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it and she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her, uh, her husband with her, and he ate. Look at this. So it doesn't give a whole lot of details on how that conversation went. I've got a whole lot of ideas on how it went. <laughs> but, but ultimately, ultimately, he was influenced by the culture. Now you're like, there's only like two or three people, right? It's like him, the serpent, yeah, that's his culture, right? That's what it is. But here's the thing, today, same thing's going on. The creator has given instruction, the world has given influence. And we are suppressing truth and exchanging truth for what the culture says is right versus what the world, what the word says is right. And this, this hurts. Why? Because I got loved ones who are doing this. And I don't know how to, to coexist and tolerate them and all those things and still be this loving Christian. I feel like you're telling me to hate all No, I'm not. Do not write that. Don't say anything like that. I would never ever say that. What I'm saying is the truth doesn't change regardless of how you feel, of how they feel, of how the world feels. It doesn't change the word of God. So the, the main thing Paul is trying to show you is that you cannot exchange the truth of God for a lie. He's not even attacking specifically homosexuals. You know what he's looking at? Everybody in this room. Everybody in this room is who he's looking at. You see that? Because this is going to happen. In Romans 3.23, this is the conclusion he's going to come to. He's going to look at this room and say, everybody in here has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. And this is, what he's, this is the point he's getting to. Everybody in this room has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look at this. This is how it happens. So, the, the one thing that separates us from God, sin, is the one thing that makes 
everything that divides us disappeared. Check this out. I don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care where you were born. I don't care the amount of uh, money in your bank account. Nothing about you makes you better than me because of sin. Nothing about you makes you better than me because of sin. You see that? We are all on the same level playing field. And all Paul is doing right here is building a case to show you that everybody is a sinner in need of the same Savior. So when you isolate a text and say, ooh, see, homosexuality. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You didn't read the context. You didn't read all the way to Romans 3.23 to find out all have sinned. And falling short of the glory of God. Understood? Yeah. So, so, so the key in this section is they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Who? Everybody. Everybody. And so we're all guilty. We're all without excuse. We all are worthy of hell. Don't let nobody in this, in this church... Whether it's a leader, a pastor, I don't care who they are. Don't let nobody look at you on wherever you're struggling in your life and look down on you. You are not too far for God to save you. You are not. He died. He died for the same things that human beings will look down on you for. And you need to remember that. And that's why I love this scripture. People say, oh, this is such a tough scripture to teach. Uh, to teach. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not because this is where my hope comes from. Now, remember, you've heard my testimony. I was molested. I have molested. I've I, I fought uh, homosexual tendencies myself. I've I, I, um, I drank. I've been a bad father. I've cheated on my wife. You guys know my testimony. So how would I ever feel comfortable preaching anything to you? Because all of sin. Because all of exchange that truth for a lie. And so we all need the same Savior. And whether you look down here and you never return and you never come back, that's okay. I just want you to know the truth. I don't need you to believe in me. I need you to believe in Jesus. Amen. That's it. And so, okay, keep going, keep going. All right. And so, oh, Ben, yeah. Next. So look, so truth is based on God's facts, not your feelings. And this is tough. This is where we get back into the Roman side of this. Because this is where we normally exchange truth. How we feel. It's how I feel. Like, the Bible says something, you go, yeah, but I feel like, right? I feel, well, the way I see it, and I'm like, but the Bible says, well, yeah, I know, but I really don't think, I really don't feel God would, I don't, not my God. <laughs> yes. But, well, maybe not your God, but the God of the Bible, right? And, and so, it. Truth is based on God's facts, not your feelings. Amen. Not your feelings. Okay? And that's, that's what makes it so tough. Because either we want it our way or we, I, I've, done, I've done like three funerals, right? And one specifically, my grandfather, my entire family wanted me to preach my grandfather into heaven. Just, just because of the way they feel. You know, and that's, that's between him and God, but I'm just saying, they, they're like, aren't you going to preach him into heaven? Preach him into heaven. Speak him into heaven. If you say it, surely that was silly. No. The truth is the truth. And it doesn't get exchanged just because I, I love my grandfather. 
Find your wife. 
Now think about this. If sex is only allowed between a male and a female who are married, then that's the one ministry on this earth that nobody else can meet. Right? If your wife or your husband right now wants to learn more about God, I can, I can meet that need. I can teach that. If they, they need food, I can serve them. If they need their feet washed, I can do that. But sex can only be fulfilled by your spouse. Out of the billions of people in the world, the only person who can fulfill your sexual desire, your God-given sexual desire, is your spouse. You see that? You see the way that? There's nobody else in the world who can do it. And so, this shows you a couple things. Sex is not bad. Your sexual desire is not bad. Your sexual desire outside of God's will is bad. Why? Because God said it. That makes it truth. Right? Just like food is not bad. But when I go to the buffet, <laughs> y'all laughing, it's a sin. What are y'all laughing about? When I go to the buffet and I eat plate after plate after plate, I am revealing to you the wrath of God that is in my life. That he's given me over to myself. Then I'm going to come boo-hooing about my figure. Then I'm going to come boo-hooing about diabetes and, and, and whatever at my, my bones and I can't run the court like I used to. And God just gave me over to myself. To the lust in my heart. Do you understand it? Why? Because that was his truth. That's his plan. That's his truth. Do not be in plan. That's his truth. And I exchanged it for a lot because of what I saw. The food looks good. The food tastes good. So, so you cannot separate the homosexual from yourself. Because you exchange truth for a lie as well. That's what Paul's trying to grip here. That's what he's trying to grasp. And preachers will take this to bash and bash and bash. No, 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 no. Lest they bash themselves. I'm sorry. Just keep on, keep on. And so we have abandoned God's design for our own design. See how the creator... It's being dismissed for the creature. Huh? God designed us this way. We've abandoned that for our way. Alright? Keep going. It says, and in the same way also, men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burdened their desire toward one another. Man with man committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Keep going. So look, we've abandoned what God desires for us. Or our own desires. People say, well, I feel like, you know, God wants me to have my best life and be happy, and this is what I desire. That's not what God desires for you. It's not what he desires for you. It's not just homosexuality. That's what I'm trying to get through to you. You're exchanging truths by God for lies. So, keep running, Leah. I got to keep going. So, the greatest idol in your life is you. Think about that. The greatest idol the, the strongest idol in your life is you. Because of everything you're looking at, that you're changing, you're changing his design for your design. You're changing his desires for your desires. His facts for your feelings. Right? And so what you're going to find is that the greatest idol in your life is you. Got that? And, and, and this is where you have to stop looking across the room and everybody else, and you have to look at yourself. Two weeks ago, we said examine thyself, right? You have to look at yourself. Why? Because 
because you are your greatest idol. You may condemn one lifestyle, but approve another lifestyle just because it makes sense to you. You have to eliminate that and open up the Bible and say, what did God say? And no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, this is truth. Period. That's how it works because then your truth doesn't waver. It's not hot and cold. It doesn't, it's not partial. It doesn't say, well, you go to my church, so I'll give you a pass. But no, no, no. Mm -mm -mm. It doesn't work that way. Everybody in the room is under the same truth. You see that? So this is what happens. Um, I was talking to Adam. Thank you, Adam, because I had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> um, and so type 1 diabetes, anybody familiar with it? At all? So um, I was teaching me, he was teaching me, I didn't get his permission, all right? All right, let's make sure here. So I was looking like, what? Talk about my man, you gonna find truth like that. All right, so look, so look. Um, you go to the doctor, and the doctor diagnoses you, or gives you a diagnosis, or how do you say that, all right? I'm not professional, y'all, I'm bad. All right, and uh, what ends up happening is this, uh, he says, hey, you have to limit or restrict your sugar intake because you don't have the insulin. You're not producing enough insulin for sugar. <laughs> and so, um, regardless of your desire for sugar, because that's what I love. I love sugar. You don't want any other. Regardless of your desire for sugar, you have to limit that desire based on the fact that you are diabetic. If you don't respond in obedience to limiting your desire and keeping it within the boundaries that I'm setting for you, you will die. Alright? Um, now look at this spiritually, okay? We told you a couple months ago that man is born in sin. Once again, so everybody in this room, I don't care where you are in your walk, you were born in disobedience to God. We are born sinners, all the sinners from the day. You are shaped in iniquity as Dave said, as David said, right? So you're born with this uh, inclination, this, this sin inside of you. It's who you are, right? Okay. And so God says, I gave you a sexual desire, but your sin nature wants to take it past the limits, past the boundaries, regardless of what that looks like. That's not just homosexuality. That's adultery. That's porn. That's masturbation. All this, that's not what God designed for you. That's not how he put it. That's not how he made it. That's not what it was meant to be. So, so, you have to limit your desires. Lest it lead you to death. Just like the diabetic. You see that? It, so here's, here's, here's the thing. That doesn't mean your desires go away, right, Adam? You still like sugar? You like skills? I like skills, right? I like it. So, 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 I shouldn't say skills. So, look, you have to limit, but he still has to limit, he still, his, the cravings didn't go away, right, Adam? You still see something, you're like, man, that looks good, but the doctor told me that if I take this in, past the boundary, past the limit that he's prescribed for me, I will die. It's the same thing with our desires in every area of our life. God has given you a truth, a diagnosis, and said, here's the boundaries found in the Bible, found in this book, for how you are to live your life. If you step out these boundaries, it will lead to death. It will lead to death. 
like eat and know that God said this leads to death and still see something and say, I don't care what's good to me? I got to go to India in a couple weeks. They said don't drink the water. What happens if I look and say, water was good to me? I'm bored. <laughs> the truth is that the water is, is death in a sense, right? So I can't drink the water. And a lot of us in this church are drinking the water. Because of what we have redefined as truth. We've abandoned God's truth and exchanged it for a lie. Paul chose homosexuality because in the Roman culture, 14 out of the 15 emperors were homosexuals. And the one that was the emperor at the time of his writing, Nero, he literally married a man, castrated him to make him a female, married a second man, and took the female role, and would, and would scream in pleasure as loud as he could just so others could hear him. That's just where he was at. So Paul's writing to a culture that's okay with homosexuality. But he's not pointing out specifically so that you can take it and bash people. Because if you just read a couple more verses down, he's looking at you too. So that we can come to this one conclusion. All have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So all need the same truth. That Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And so it's for this reason that I have a friend who is a woman who, who has homosexual desires, and yet he believes in Jesus Christ for his salvation, and he fights his desires. He's not perfect, but he's progressive. <coughs> and if you look at your life, Christian, you're not perfect, and you slip, but you're progressive. You see that? And so, therefore, though he struggles with his homosexual desires, you see in all of the fruit that he is progressing towards heaven, progressing towards Christ. And a lot of people say a homosexual can't be a Christian. That's a lie. Because if an adulterer can be a Christian, if a glutton can be a Christian, if a liar and a slanderer and a gossip can be a Christian, then why can't the person struggling with homosexuality? That's truth. You see how the truth sometimes hurts, but sometimes sets you free? This is God's word, and I don't want you to abandon it. And so we're going to wrap up. Oh, pretty good? Pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. We have to adjust our lifestyles to God's truth. doesn't matter what that lifestyle is. You have to adjust it to God's truth. Give me, uh, keep going, keep going. Um, no, that's the song. Give me my rock response. Oh, James! James, you dirty dog! How you going to do that for me? So look, uh, I want to close out. Worship team, close out. So listen, these rock responses, for those of you who are new here, this is your moment right here. This is where, this is where God and you really have a conversation that, that has nothing to do with me. I've preached. I may, have, I may have broke with your feathers, I may have hurt your feelings, but I promise you, and, I, and you can ask anybody who comes here, I love you. If you're in this room right now, I absolutely love you. If you're hurt, come talk to me. If you can't come talk to me, Charles, raise your hand. You can talk to Charles. Lucy, raise your hand. You can talk to Lucy. Dave, raise your hand. Nussbaum, raise your hand. There's people all over. If you don't feel comfortable talking to me, don't talk to people. We have people all over here who will love you as much if not even harder than me. Here's your moment. Rock response number one. What idol, is everybody in the room, what idol have you exchanged for God's truth? This is a conversation between you and God right now. I need you to look into to what God is talking to you about right now. There's something he's exposed while we were going through this sermon that he is, he's called you out on. What idol have you exchanged for God's truth? All right?
There's your first one. Number two. Number two. And what is keeping you from removing that idol today and replacing God back where he belongs in your life? Okay? If you, if you recognize what that idol is, so what's stopping you right now? Not, not this is not New Year's resolution. You don't need to wait until next week to start your diet. No, what's, what is he saying to you right now where you can remove the idol and replace God back where he belongs in your life? All right? That's number two. We got a couple extra today because I had to go short. Now, be honest with yourself. What has your, uh, where has your truth taken you? So if you're looking and you're still wrestling with that idol, where has it gotten you? Where has it actually gotten you? What has it done for you that you can't let it go? What is so good about it that you can't let it go that, it, that is greater than God's truth and what he wants to do? Last two. Last two minutes. Who else in your life is suppressing the truth of God? Think about that person. Who else in your life is exchanging God's truth for lies? And how can you lead them to surrender? So now this is not just looking at you, but this is the loved one that you're thinking about right now. How can you lead them to surrender? Not keep them to surrender. How can you love them to surrender? Because you're going to surrender yourself today. And finally, here we are. How can we come alongside you and meet you at the altar? See, we don't just want you to hear something and walk out the door and think that you have to figure it out by yourself. We want to come alongside you and help you lay that down at the altar. So I'm begging you, after a message like this that I know is tough, I know it hurts, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't speak this message. We always speak of if somebody's burning in the house, do you, do you just look at them and keep walking, or do you run in and try to grab them and pull them out? I'm running in because I love you. I absolutely love you. Thank you for being patient with this message. Take your kids out to eat because they've done a great job. <laughs> but make this serious and surrender to it. Come to the altar. There'll be people up here praying, praying. And if you see somebody come, that's not our building. If somebody comes, I want you to deal with them. We're at this altar waiting on you to come down and lay down your burdens. We're here. Or you can do it right where you're at and don't feel comfortable. Just have that conversation with God. Amen?
here in the congregation with you, even while I'm preaching that, I'm being convicted and finding idols in my life that I need to remove and put God back, especially in the area of food for myself. I look to food for comfort. I look to food for joy. I look to food for everything in my life. And I've been battling this, this spiritual battle that I'm losing um, year after year because I continue to exchange the truth of God for a lie. So the moment you think I'm looking at you or talking about you, that's the spirit convicting you, not me. Because I'm sitting here before you, a broken man, who only by the grace of God have assurance that I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Amen. So let's bow our heads in prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for revealing your truth. You could have kept it to yourself, and we would have failed, and you still would have had no excuse because of your creation. And yet, because you loved us, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, down to be a propitiation, a substitute, Father, on the cross, to take on the wrath that we deserve and we show every day that we deserve, so that all who believe in him for deliverance, for salvation, from your eternal wrath will be saved. I'm begging, Father, that the hearts in this room are not hardened because of your tough truth, but, Father, that the hearts in this room are humbled and come to the conclusion that many in your word came to a saying, well, then how can anybody be saved? And, Father, the response of your son was, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Father, somebody in this room thinks they're too far away from you. Somebody in this room thinks that they're too far gone, Father, they're too far consumed in the lies that they've been believing, that they've been exchanging. But Father, you are able to save, you are mighty to save. And I know that as we humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to you, you willingly, anxiously, forgive us. And for that I am thankful. It's in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray.